0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Property Legal 101, a weekly podcast where I will discuss, simplify and explain different legal topics in relation to property transactions in England and Wales, so that you can approach your own property projects with more confidence and communicate more effectively with your solicitor. My name is Josh Yam, Associate Partner at Spencer West LLP. This week, I'll be discussing the topic of joint ownership of property in England and Wales the different ways that this is achieved, and its legal consequences. In England and Wales, a property can be legally owned by up to four individuals. By legally owned, I mean the individuals named on the property title register as being the proprietor of the legal title. We discussed the property title register in episode 3 so you may wish to revisit that episode if you want to refresh your memory on this topic. Whether these individuals are family members, couples in a relationship, friends or business partners, it is important that the basis and format of co-ownership is clear to all parties right from the start, not just to avoid any potential future disputes, but also just for effective management of the asset. There are two forms of co-ownership, beneficial joint tenancy and tenancy in common. Now, at this point, you may ask a question in relation to the wording of tenancy, as the last time we discussed the topic of tenancy, or tenants, was in episode 2 in relation to a leasehold property. However, in the context of co-ownership, tenancy does not imply any form of leasehold ownership. You can be joint tenants or tenants in common of a freehold property as well. If you decide to own the property as beneficial joint tenants, The property will belong to each party jointly and equally. What this means legally is that no individual will own a specific or greater share in the property and all the joint tenants will be treated as a single owning entity. If this concept is a bit tricky for you to understand, to make things easier for you, you may wish to think of it as all the joint tenants owning an equal share in the property. That is equal both in terms of quantity and status. On the other hand, tenants in common are not necessarily equal and will own a specific share within the property right from the start. The shares could be 50-50, but it can also be unequal shares. For example, in a scenario where one party contributed more to the purchasing funds and would therefore like to own more of the shares in the property. Whether you are tenants in common in equal or unequal shares, you should ideally enter into a declaration of trust to formally set out the actual shares in your ownership and also the terms of your ownership. We will explore the reasons why this is important later in this episode. So what are the practical consequences and legal differences between the two forms of ownership? When it comes to dealings involving a jointly owned property, there are normally three key scenarios which we will take into consideration. What happens when one of the joint owners die? What happens if all the joint owners die? and what happens when it comes to selling the property. But before we look into each of these questions, let me first give you a little scenario question, something for you to think about whilst we continue. Let's say we have a couple, Alice and Ben, who purchased a very nice freehold property together. Alice and Ben are not yet married, but very much in love. And although Alice contributed more funds to the initial purchase than Ben, they decided to hold the property as joint tenants. Things do not work out for Alice and Ben and they break up a year after the purchase with Ben moving out of the property by mutual agreement. Alice continues to live in, maintain and look after the property as if she is the sole owner. However, for a number of reasons they never actually took formal steps to deal with and adjust the legal ownership so both Alice and Ben are still co-owning joint tenants. A further year after the breakup Alice was involved in a tragic car accident and unfortunately passes away. As Ben is a surviving joint tenant, he applies to HM Land Registry with a copy of Alice's death certificate for the title to the property to be passed to him by survivorship in the usual joint tenancy way. My question for you is simply, can Ben do that? And if Alice's personal representative contests this in court, do you think the courts will step in? Have a think about this whilst we explore the practical differences between beneficial joint-tenants and tenants in common. Scenario 1. What happens if one of the co-owners die? For joint-tenants, if one of the joint-tenants die, the share of the property held by the deceased owner will automatically pass to the surviving members. If, for example, there were two joint tenants to begin with, then the surviving owner will become the sole owner of the property. If there were three joint tenants to begin with, then the two surviving joint tenants will own the property 50-50 going forward. For tenants in common, the key difference in this scenario is that there will be no automatic passing of interest. The shares held by the deceased owner will be dealt with in accordance with their will, What this means is that it may be possible for the deceased owner to pass his or her shares in the property to a third party entirely. If the deceased owner does not have a will at the point of death, then his or her shares will be dealt with in accordance with the intestacy rules. I will not be exploring the intestacy rules in this episode. Scenario 2 What happens if all the co-owners die? If all joint tenants die together and at the same time, the ownership of the property will pass on to the relatives of the youngest owner, whether in accordance with their will, or under the Intestacy Rules. The reason for this is that the law will assume that the older joint tenant is likely to die first. This may cause obvious issues where the joint tenants are not related, as the relatives of the older joint tenant may end up inheriting nothing, regardless of factors such as initial contributions. For tenants in common, it will be much simpler and each owner's share will be dealt with separately in the same way as in Scenario 1. Scenario 3. What happens on a sale of the property? There are two permutations to this scenario. The ideal one, of course, is that all joint owners agree to the sale of the property together. However, we also need to consider a scenario where you want to sell but your co-owners may not want to. With joint tenancy, because the legal definition is that all of the co-owners are a single owning entity, all of the joint tenants will also need to be together in a sale of the property, i.e. all legal documents for the sale will need to be signed by all the joint tenants together. The sale proceeds will also be shared equally unless otherwise agreed between yourselves. Again. Potential issues may arise with this scenario where initial contributions were not equal. If the other joint tenant does not want to sell, you will not be able to proceed to the sale behind their backs. If you wish to try and force the sale against the wish, you will need to apply to the court for this. However, there is no guarantee that the court will agree with you and allow you to do this. I will not be exploring the court route to a sale any further in this episode. So if you are in this scenario, you should take specialist legal advice on your options and how to proceed. For tenants in common, there are a few more options potentially available to you, should the other tenant not agree to sell. Because you will each own a specific share of the property, you can offer to either sell your share of the property to the co-owner, or sell your share of the property to a third party. However, these alternatives are subject to agreement between you and your co-owner and they are not required to agree. Where they do happen to be obstructive and refuse, you can again apply to court for an order of sale, but my general advice would be that going to court should never be the first option, because it can be costly, time-consuming, and success is not always guaranteed. Now, at the start of the episode, you may recall that I advised that tenants in common should always enter into a declaration of trust. What we have discussed just now is exactly the reason why this is so important. Having a declaration of trust in place ensures that the relationship between you and your co-owner is formally recognised and acknowledged and protects both of you in the long run. Setting out clear boundaries and having mutually agreed exit strategies in place avoids area of potential dispute and headache in the future. Three other common questions that get asked in relation to joint ownership is firstly, when the final decision needs to be made, secondly, how the different types of joint ownership will be recorded on the property title, and thirdly, whether you can change from joint tenancy to tenancy in common after completion. In terms of when a decision needs to be made, if you are contemplating co-owning a property this topic should be one that you discuss and think about with your co-owner from an early stage of a property purchase, because there are a lot of factors to take into consideration. However, for your solicitor, we probably won't push you to confirm until closer to completion, as we will effect your choice of ownership after completion when we register your title at HM Land Registry. If you are trying to obtain a mortgage for your purchase, you should discuss this with your mortgage broker during that mortgage application stage to ensure that there will not be any issues from the lender's side for any arrangements you have. In terms of the property title register, if you are a joint tenant, you will not find any specific notes in relation to this. For a conveyancer, if the proprietorship register shows more than one legal owner and there is no restriction, then this will automatically indicate a joint tenancy. For tenancies in common, a restriction will be placed on the proprietorship register of the title, prohibiting a sale of the property by a single owner unless authorised by the court to do so. If you are holding the tenancy in common in unequal shares, you should note that the property title register will not indicate the amount of shares held by each owner. This is another reason why it is important to have a declaration of trust in place for such an arrangement. Finally, If you completed your purchase as joint tenants, but now wish to change this to a tenancy in common, this is possible, but you will need to enter into a deed of severance with your co-owner. As the name suggests, this deed of severance confirms that you and your co-owner now wish to sever the joint tenancy and become tenants in common, and the deed will need to be registered at land registry. That concludes our look at the differences between a joint tenancy and a tenancy in common. But before we wrap things up, let's return to our question scenario from the start of the episode. To recap, Alice and Ben, an unmarried couple, purchase the freehold property as joint tenants. A year after the purchase, they break up and Ben moves out. Alice continues to live in, maintain and treat the property as if she was a sole owner and Ben has no further involvement with the property, save for being named on the legal title as a co-owner. A year after the breakup, Alice was involved in a car accident and passes away. However, for various reasons, no formal steps was ever taken to adjust or update the property register in terms of the ownership. So Ben and Alice were still co-owners of the property as joint tenants at the time of Alice's death. Ben subsequently applies to HM Land Registry for the property title to be passed to him by survivorship. And my question was firstly, whether you think Ben can do this? And secondly, whether you think Ben's application can be challenged in court? With regards to the first question, based on the facts, Ben is a co-owner of the property as joint tenant at the time of Alice's death. As such, the rules of survivorship are in effect and Ben is entitled to apply to take sole ownership of the property title. Whether this is equitable and whether such an application can be challenged in court is another matter. However, when the Court of Appeal looked at the case of similar, albeit not identical, facts between Wall and Monday in 2018, they came to a rather interesting decision which was upheld even on appeal. In that case, Mr. Wall and Miss Monday were a married couple. Who subsequently divorced, with Miss Monday leaving the property and having no dealings with the property for over 20 years. Upon the death of Mr. Wall, Miss Monday applied for the transfer of the property title by survivorship, and the court was asked to consider whether the joint tenancy had been severed by the mutual conduct of the parties over the years. Whilst the court held in that case that the joint tenancy had been severed by the mutual conduct of Mr. Wall and Miss Monday, the court considered that they subsequently held the property as tenants in common in equal shares and were not prepared to infer anything further, despite the fact that Miss Monday contributed nothing to the property for over 20 years, including any payments to the joint mortgage on the property. In the end, Mr. Wall's estate was only entitled to 50% of the interest in the house. This case and its conclusion should serve as a cautionary reminder of the importance of planning ahead and having your property affairs in order. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, we'll move on and have a look at the process of a standard property sale in England and Wales from my point of view as a solicitor. If you have any questions on this week's episode, or if you have any topics you would like me to look at in a future episode, feel free to email me at propertylegal101 at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and have a great week.